This episode brought to you by Warren of Ohms at Omu Collective. One man scrams his love, one man scrams his life. Omu Collective. And welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Edie Quinn, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing 12 Years Pass by The Red Scare, featuring my pal Kip Yolhorn on guitar and vocal. If you're unfamiliar with their album, Capillary Lockdown, watch the podcast and fix that right now. like a chandelier in our front front entryway in my house where we lived and um it had like these um i don't know i don't know like pieces of the chandelier that kind of hung down i don't know if those are called prisms or not i think they might be but um the way that like light would my i just remember my mother pointing this out to me like the way that light would come through those prisms would make these like colored patterns on the floor um that were you know kind of like kaleidoscopic or something uh-huh i'm not even sure if that's a word but yeah I, th- I think that's probably maybe the first thing i remember and so these little like lights were like dancing around the floor yeah exactly yeah, yeah. that's awesome um yeah so it's out that's that's sort of like whimsical in in nature and 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 uh that sort of, in a weird way, that makes a lot of sense to me. Like when I think <laughs> about like your music and like how um, the, the how the longer portions of it are intricately like timed and woven, like huh. between the instruments and um, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. it makes I, sense to me. I, yeah, I feel like. Um... As I was saying that, I kind of, I was thinking the same thing. It kind of explains a lot. Just the more, like, so, I mean, I have, who knows what, if anything has anything to do with anything, but um, (laughs) the, um, can blame my mom for my interest in all things psychedelic, I guess. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, what about, like, music? Did, did a lot of your appreciation from music also come from, uh, your, your mom or? Yeah, both her, both her and my dad. Neither one. My mom like taught piano, um, and was just like like concert pianist when she was like a teenager. So I mean, I guess like music, musical kind of like whatever comes from her, but uh, probably. But um, both my parents were like super into just like listening to music. I mean, both of them like. Uh, talk to me about music a lot when I was little, I guess, and just like would play me stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So not, not much like, um, yeah. I mean, I guess so. I, it's funny. I like, I never really think of it that way. Like I never, 
really feel like I come from like a musical background, but um, in a in a way I do, I guess. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. Like you know, when music is always present in your life, you do not. I mean, not take it for granted in a sense, like like oh that's just music not that way but like yeah. you take for granted sometimes the idea that your situation is is like you think that's the norm but i mean i had like a friend growing up who was a drummer and mm. his parents never listened to music like at all yeah and yeah. It's, it's almost like where did this come from for you you know like um was was music your form of rebellion you know and like uh like it still was mine but it just had to be a different way i guess but um but yeah it's, yeah it's like you can think like you can take for granted the fact that like this was present for you when it w wasn't for other people you know yeah um, so when you're when it came time for you to where you were like hey music means more to me than just like something that you listen to and you want to like um explore like in creating your own music were they very supportive like did you start learning music like to play different instruments at a young age or uh <laughs> that's yeah sort of that's actually a hard question to answer because like and I, I do feel like they're supportive in some ways but not not really Right. I think they would have been like supportive of, of like of me like playing instruments or like learning instruments, but like not super. I don't think that they were super psyched about me playing in bands and that kind of thing. Um, right. I mean, in a way, I get. I mean, like they let me do it. I mean, I started doing that when I was like really young, like fifteen or sixteen. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like they gave me a lot of independence in a way, but they, um, you know, they'd probably like have preferred that I was just like an engineer or architect right. or something. Right, like it's yeah. like it, like this is great as a hobby, but this isn't what you want to spend the rest of your life doing. And you're like, well, actually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have you? Can you hear me? Okay. Oh yeah, it's fine. Okay, I'm I'm like walking around the block but uh just tell me if it gets too loud it's it's like 80 degrees here today which is like yeah not norm not normal no it's great outside here too where are you by the way uh in memphis memphis okay yeah what about you uh i live in lafayette indiana and so i was oh, like wow. yeah i wasn't sure because we weren't in the same time zone i was like not sure um plus also some of your later um projects like uh like one um one project in particular cloudland canyon it says like la so i'm assuming you've yeah. done some moving yeah. around a bit yeah i've done a bunch of moving around i um the cloudland canyon started in uh in la or i'm sorry in new york but um uh sorry i just ran into like a friend of mine walking <laughs> Um, uh, it started in New York, actually, in Brooklyn, and, um, then moved to Memphis, and then I was in L.A. for, I think, three years. That was more recently. I was there while I was going to grad school. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was yeah. going to ask if it was, like, um, strictly, like, moving around, just, like, trying to, um figure out where you wanted to be or whether there was something else involved in it. and it's you said grad school so um what were you in school for um i went for um uh full stack web development was i guess like computer science technically but um so i went just basically to learn to build like apps essentially but um I've ended up kind of, I've somehow fell into this thing called uh, data science. Okay. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm now just like work as like a consultant for like different companies like FedEx, just um, using their data to kind of help them make business decisions, I guess. 
Okay. Um, if you've ever seen the movie Moneyball, it's very similar to that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Getting back to what you were saying yeah. about like you started playing in bands and stuff when you were 15. Um, yeah. What kind of music was influencing you at that time? Um, I think when I, uh, right when I started playing bands, I was still really into like kind of shoegazy stuff or like a lot of British stuff like the Smiths and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, teenage fan club. Like, you know, like I guess a lot of stuff that was on creation records. Um, probably like REM. I'm trying to think what else I like. You know, like sad teenager music, I guess. <laughs> For sure. For sure. Yeah. And um, were you already like uh, trying to like, like ape that style like were you trying to write your own songs and, and yeah, yeah i think we, okay so the first band that i you know i had played guitar for a couple of years uh and the first band that i started was with so i was probably like 15 or 16 and i and it was with like this dude that was in college college like a freshman in college so in a way that was like kind of cool just because he like exposed me to a lot of stuff that you know i i didn't know about my bloody valentine um just other things that i ended up like really liking um like i found him through the uh the local weekly paper like he put an ad in it he had just moved <laughs> uh moved to memphis to go to like this art school here and um yeah so I guess he and I, like, I think we eventually sort of, uh, <laughs> we eventually kind of pivoted towards like hardcore or punk. Um, but initially it was like, like really, you know, like dense kind of, I, I kind of hate the term shoegaze, but I guess so, something resembling that. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you, think shoegaze is bad then what do you think about the word scrams <laughs> <laughs> well do me i you know i'm not even sure that i understand that but i, right. I, I kind of want to ask you about that um so yeah i i just mean like shoegaze seems to get increasingly used a ton now but um what does that even mean scrams. i mean obviously like i've yeah i mean i probably heard that for the first time like five years ago or maybe right. a little more but Right. Yeah, what? where did that come from? Well, so, I mean, back when, like, the Red Scare was active and back when yeah. um, when my first, like, Screamy band started, like, we weren't calling yeah. it Screamo, we were calling it Screamy Hardcore or whatever, you know? Yeah, and, yeah, exactly. Um, and then, like, sort of after that first heyday, people started calling it Screamo. Like, they yeah. started calling, like, Orchid, Red Scare, you know, um seven days of samsara you know all that stuff started calling it Uh screamo but then like bands like uh pierce the veil or whoever you know the 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 warp tour bands with screaming Mm. were calling themselves screamo so screamo kids were like we got to come up with something else to call this and that's where uh someone came up with the term scrams and um And uh, I've 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 been a, a long time like I'll just call it screamo and I don't care if people think it's one thing or the other. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, a lot of people a lot of people are just having fun either way. Like I don't think. Right. I think maybe at first people took it very seriously, but not anymore. I think it's just you know, it's just another thing. But yeah, I I right. definitely it it's when I first heard the term shoegaze i think that i specifically had a sound in mind which is any more like just so negotiable to the like when somebody calls something shoegaze even you know it's like the five bands that sound nothing alike except for they all have a lot of chorus or or delay on their guitars you know right right right. like really dense guitars Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah but um yeah uh, um so, uh, in this first band, like, did you, like, were you, 
just trying to figure out how a band works and everything like that, or were you like yeah, doing recordings yeah. and um, kind of both? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was pretty. Um, you know, I guess for like a first band musically, it wasn't that bad. Um, just compared to like probably, you know, I knew other kids that were like in bands and stuff that were probably their bands were probably way worse. But yeah, I mean, it was pretty. Um, you know. It's a pretty um, uh, like derivative you know, or fledgling attempt at yeah. Well, I mean, just like figuring out how songwriting works and stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah. I didn't mean derivative in a negative way either. I think like I don't know. Probably don't know. most people's first bands are just like it's like you're inspired by something and and yeah, it, and that fingerprint is all over what you try to do. You know, I mean, um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, so. Was that sort of was that band sort of the the precursor to the Red Scare, or would would, would it be <laughs> many bands before you would reach the um, Red Scare? Kind of just really that, and maybe like a couple others. Um, that band was called Superstar. Okay. Like some somehow recently, um, people <laughs> like people that have like blogs or I don't know. People have figured it out. Like you know, kind of like started. Um, asking more and more about that band. So I think we're going to put the music up on Apple Music and Spotify eventually. Oh, cool. Um, it just, it, I mean, it, it wound up kind of sounding like, like, um, did you ever hear, did you know of like Gravity Records, mm -hmm. that kind of thing? Mm -hmm. did, you ever, did you ever hear that band Evergreen? Yeah, yeah. People would always say that that's what it sounded like. And honestly, I think that that's a pretty good comparison. Okay, that band is like pretty beloved, so I think there's a lot of people that are going to hear this and be pretty interested in in Superstar. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's not bad. Okay, um, awesome. but yeah, between and then, like really, the Red Scare started more. Um, that was kind of high school, and then the Red Scare sort of started when I went to college uh, in Knoxville. Okay. I thought you were about to yeah. tell me you wrote 12 years past when you were in high school. I was just going to like, <laughs> just hang it up right now. Uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I consider that like that song, like top, top 15 screamo songs of all time. Like, I don't wow. know. I hold that song awesome. in really high regard. And I'm Thanks. my friend, um, my friend Adam and I, who I, I'm, I'm to understand you may have interacted with on, social media a little bit um my friend adam and i just like gush over that song constantly but uh yeah that's awesome yeah great thank you so much uh, of course of course um so the red the red scare how did how exactly did that get started like you know your your first band was like an ad in a in a weekly paper um did you just yeah. meet the folks in red scare more organically or yeah yeah actually um i met our drummer matt um, I was like really briefly in this other band. Um, and for some reason, I think I just had a bunch of friends that had moved to Knoxville to go to college, but I hadn't yet. So uh, we ended up going to Knoxville for the show and just wound up playing um, with Matt, the drummer for the Hood like his, uh, a band that he was in at the time called New Guard. 843 and um, the thing about that is Matt never he had no training or like lessons or anything no like <laughs> did not play the drums at all and just um, through this band that he was in at the time New Guard he, he just decided, somehow it was decided that he was going to play drums and he did, and it was, he's just insane. He must be like, um, just has this like, I, I'll put it this way. When we played with them, I literally was like, I'm going to be in a band with this guy. <laughs> because, I mean, he was just like the most insane drummer, like, not to, not just like to watch, but also he's just like so talented. And then I like, you know, immediately was just like, hey, dude, I, um, I'm coming to school here next year. Like we should, we should play in a band. So, and that, that pretty much was it. So, um, 
yeah, I just got really lucky in that sense. So yeah. really, I mean, I feel like the the band was kind of based on he and I's friendship or whatever. Um, and then the other people that were in the band was uh, my like childhood friend uh, Adam Ewing was like the other first guitar player, um, and he had already been to school up there in Knoxville. Um, Knoxville's kind of in the mountains, which is why I said up there. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, uh, he just had classes with Abby, our bass player. Okay. So that was kind of like the uh, initial lineup. Yeah. Um, and I mean, over the like, I mean, as far as you know, the internet is concerned or whatever. The, the, the band was, uh, existed from around 1998 to 2001 and over the three years, like y'all released like a lot of material. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you, you get started with like a seven inch and, um, and like, it's so, it's so different back then to release a record like you know you had to like actually know people like in real life that would you know put out your record and stuff like that yeah you know? yeah playing shows and that's how you met someone that was wanting to put out the seven inch and like how did that all come together um actually the um we had an offer to put out a seven inch like our second show okay so the the, the first show that we played was really I, like probably the best first show that uh you could possibly have like we played with um somehow 400 years and uh -huh. Hal Shabbat. <laughs> um, and we played first of like three or four bands and um, it was just amazing. Like, I mean, partially because like all of our friends were there and this was actually in 1997. Like, right, yeah, like right okay. at the end of 1997. Um, so, uh, yeah, we just had a lot of momentum. Like the, the um it's weird to say like we were really good like i don't know we just played really well together like mm -hmm. it was just um uh you know i felt i think i still feel like technically it's probably the best band that i've ever been in just as far as like a live entity mm -hmm. um but yeah like we we went and played in this time <laughs> i don't know why we did this but we went to play in this town called johnson city uh tennessee which is just like probably an hour outside of Knoxville um, for our second show. And um, that's actually where we met the guy that wanted, he, uh, this guy, John Asher, um, asked if he could put out a seven inch. Uh, he had a, this label called Horology, which was um, Mark Telfian from, I don't know if you know Hail Mary and like Limp Wrist, but mm -hmm. um, so it was Mark Telfian and this guy, John Asher, had a label called Pyrology, and he just asked if he could do a 7-inch. Okay. So, um, and then um, later on, John actually became our guitar player. Um, Adam had to quit uh, just for, like, school reasons, and um, 
John ended up taking over. So, and the, so, and that's like then one of your other releases was a split with Hail Mary. So that all like yeah. clicks too. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What I was going to ask also is, you know, um, I find a lot of recording stories from back then very interesting. What was the, what was the situation when you recorded your first seven inch? Were you like <laughs> piling into somebody's basement and recording on like, a task cam like what i mean it, it does pretty much pretty yeah. much yeah well yeah like well we were supposed to um like john wanted us to go record uh in i think virginia like there was this studio like outside of dc i forget what it was called um but it was where like sleepy time trio had recorded something or other and mm -hmm. like they were they were friends so he wanted us to go do that and then it just never would line up so as far as like time like scheduling and stuff so we ended up um just recording that one in my basement in Knoxville. um and actually probably i mean probably i think we had a buddy that had mics that were decent but probably just literally like on a task task cam like four track or eight track <laughs> something like that that's so, awesome yeah i think we some, I think that someone was asking me about this the other day, but I think um, I think we probably recorded like seven songs at that point, and two of them went on that seven inch that Pirology put out, and then I think the rest of them we just put on a demo, and then like re-recorded for the Capillary Lockdown LP. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say because there was uh, definitely. Um you re-recorded Jet Set for that as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then, like, later, y'all released um, that compilation, the Surplus Materials compilation, which, like, had, like, yeah. most of your stuff from your 7 Inches on it, right? Yeah. Except, yeah. except the split with Orchid, I think. No, I think it did. Oh. Did it not? I don't... I just was looking at on... I was looking on what was like listed on Spotify. Maybe I was, mm -hmm. maybe I'd missed something. Um, but I yeah, think it should. Matt, it Matt should have been everything. The one huh? that kind of like, yeah, I think Matt was the one that kind of put all that together. So, right. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, you know, uh, so d was were all the recordings of the seven inch were they s similar to your like? first recording was it like really like low-key stuff or or were they all kind of different um as far as like how it sounded oh, i mean what your situation was like like where did you record any of that stuff like elsewhere or was yeah there... yeah yeah Bo both the lps we recorded with that guy um don zentera who do you, do you know who he is no He's i'm not like, sure um, he recorded like all of the Discord record stuff, so like everything Fagazi, Severdan, like even back to like Minor Threat. And oh, wow. then, I mean, pretty, I guess pretty much the majority of what he's done is all of the Discord records, like pretty much the entire catalog. Oh, that's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, we kind of like, I don't even know how we did that because we kind of, like, I think I wanted to do it. And like, I didn't think that that would actually happen. And then I think I, you know, the record label said that we could do it depending on how expensive it was. And I think I called him and he just answered. And I was just <laughs> like, really was just like, hey, can you record our band? And he, you know, I guess, I guess he, in a way, was like kind of like Steve Albini, where he's like, you know, kind of like sliding scale and, you know, uh, yeah. just will kind of do anything that he like likes uh the music or yeah is interested in yeah. yeah that's awesome so did did he mm -hmm. have did he have y'all like submit something for him to listen to first or uh, i can't remember oh, okay. actually May maybe but um yeah um i can't remember 
So what was that situation like when you got there? Um, like, it's obviously a lot different than just recording yeah. your songs. But um, yeah. were there elements of, like, production involved as well? Like, were, were you getting input on, like, the material? Or just, like, was it more of just, like, an engineer and a band situation? Um, he, like, he was really great to be around. Like, we had, like, a really great rapport with him just because i think he's like a super nice dude Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think he would like suggest little things but um i mean i think for the most part we had those songs so hammered out like we knew exactly you know well in in both cases actually because we did it both both lps we recorded at the end of like a tour so we we you know tour tight just yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so there's that and then i think yeah i think he did like give suggestions but just always like in a really friendly way like yeah not in like a boot camp way or anything right i've yeah. i've personally never been in a situation like where someone suggests changes to the song but one time the engineer was like to the drummer um you, the the engineer was basically like, you know, it doesn't do anything when you um, are recording, like when you hit your floor tom and your bass drum at the same time, because it's like, whatever. And the drummer was like, just like dumbfounded by that. I don't. Like, it's I mean, yeah. and it's just like, I don't know. It's just one of those like that's just a. I think that's just an engineer thing. Like it, it, some have their preferences over others and so yeah one engineer might hear this and be like that's that's like makes no sense but another might be like yeah why why do so many drummers like play the bass drum while they're doing a roll or why do so many of them you know play the bass drum while they're doing this or whatever but yeah sure um it just really confused the drummer and like almost kind of like made him mad but it's just a funny memory for me because everything was making that drummer mad in that particular session <laughs> but uh yeah um, um yeah no, he, i mean he was it was really easy to do stuff with him just because like you know it wasn't it well it was the first time i had been in a situation where it wasn't just like either a friend like where we were recording at home or like somebody that didn't really have any kind of context for what uh we were doing like you know he mm-hmm. recorded minor minor threat so it was just like really easy to you know not a lot of explanation like he just kind of got it so i mean that that was cool yeah yeah for sure i mean there's always the like um uh, in some recordings i feel like you can hear evidence of like like one recording that i really um, the self-titled Sam I Am album, for example, like okay. I feel like a metal guy recorded that, like, okay. and I don't know if like anybody else hearing this, if that will just click for them, because it's uh-huh. just like sometimes you can just tell an engineer doesn't have a frame of reference for what you're trying yeah. to do, and yeah, so they sure. produce it in a way or engineer it in a way that is closest to what they. Th- think you're trying to do and it yeah. turns out these weird results now in the sam i am self-title i think that those results are really cool because i think it's different than yeah it, than yeah. it would have been you know but it yeah. doesn't always work out that way sometimes it's just sure. like why why is this punk album produced like a pop album you know or whatever right. and like right, right. that stinks um, yeah, some, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, sometimes these yeah. different sets of years do co- do cool things together, and sometimes they just don't. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, did y'all spend a lot of time? I mean, you said each one of those LPs was recorded after a tour. How much um, time did mm-hmm. the Red Scare spend on the road? Like, since all y'all were in college and everything like that. Um, I mean, as much as we could. Like, so I think pretty much any. Any like summer or like I think in the summer we would try to do like a month long tour like the three years that we were uh, in college uh, at the same time. Um, so like you know probably like a month each summer and then we'd probably do like a like 
a week at Christmas and like the same at like spring break. Um, and then we would just, yeah, we played a lot. I mean, we would do like weekend stuff like cause Knoxville is really close to a lot of different places like Asheville or, or uh, Atlanta, Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's really, it's really easy to go and play other cities. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, now I have one question here that I asked my friend Adam. Uh, okay. And so this is a point of like major discussion, I, I guess, among Adam and some friends of his. Um, <laughs> Adam would like me to ask, what is the quote from Inertia: "Distance to Empty" from? And do you know what the English translation works out to? Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny because. <laughs> Yeah, I had to think what you were talking about for a second. Um, yeah, the thing, basically, um, so Abby, I mean, yeah, it's just Abby talking, but, um, okay. you know, I ended up playing um, Columbine Canyon for the first, like, six or eight years with my my friend and I, who he, he actually, Simon Loyhan, is German. Okay. Um, so, and it was funny, he was really... <laughs> I I actually met him because he was in the Red Scare, or sorry, he was really into the Red Scare, and he was in this hardcore band that kind of like, okay, well, let me back up. So I went on tour with Song of Zarathustra. I don't know if you know them, but Mm -hmm. um, uh, in like 2002, and Simon's band was on tour with Song of Zarathustra. What band was that? Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, it's like... I think it's Metrophone, so like M-E-T-R-O-F, or sorry, P-H-O-N, maybe. Okay. Um, and they were really great. They kind of like, they always were, they were saying that they were like ripping off the Red Scare, but I feel like it kind of sounded more like Sonic Youth or something. It was cool. But um, when I first met all those guys, they were just like, hey, that um, that quote from your record is meaningless. or just like i forget exactly what they said yeah that's that's just basically gibberish so oh my goodness well so how did how did the quote come to be then i okay so i think you know this was i mean not pre-internet but um like you know so early internet so i think i literally think that while i was doing vocals i think abby had been taking German at school. And I think that she went to like a Barnes and Noble and like put something together. Like, I think it was like, you know, also kind of like taking into consideration, like some kind of like Dada or like cut up art technique, like Bauhaus. Uh, I know that she was really into. Um, so yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure. I, I think we just, like let her do what she wanted to do just some words in german that sounded cool together well i know that she (laughs) (laughs) i know that she i mean i know that there was like some intent or some meaning behind what she said i think if 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 anything it was probably like something that she wanted to say that was not translated well maybe right right so you know it's funny that wouldn't be a problem today you just like type in English what you wanted to say into a translator. But, yeah. Um, it yeah, might come I mean, out was, weird, but it would still make sense <laughs> for sure. Yeah. 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 I've done the thing before where you actually like, have you ever like taken lyrics or something? And, you know, I think it's sometimes fun to like translate them to like German and then into another language and then into another language and then back to English and just see how it kind of like, it's like a game of telephone or something. No, I haven't done that. But you know what? That's like, an awesome idea because I, I have this thing that I talk – anybody who listens regularly is probably tired of hearing me talk about this. But I talk about lyrics a lot where it's like there's sometimes this thing you have to get past where you're like, I want to just say fuck you. I hate you. But you got to do it in a way that's like not been done a million times, isn't so obvious, sounds smart or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So like yeah. that could be interesting like where you're like – well, what I want to say sounds like just boring or typical or whatever. I'll translate yeah. it, translate it, translate it, see how it comes back to me. And, uh, yeah. 
And so you have yeah, this like fun. word salad that's like a little bit uh, avant-garde um, yeah. and nonsensical, but it could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever heard of like, um, you know, like William Burroughs and like that guy, Brian, Brian Jason? For sure, Burroughs. Um, I've never heard of the other though. Well, they, they were like the first, maybe not the first ones, but like the first, um, as far as a lot of people are concerned, to do like the, the cut up technique where you like, you know, just cut up a ton of words onto the table and just, you know, I mean, basically what we know is like there's refrigerator magnets. Yeah. But, yeah. um, but yeah, I think that that's kind of like handed down from them in some way. And, and actually, when you say it that way, it doesn't sound cool at all. Uh, the refrigerator magnets thing, but um, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm all I, I'm always trying to like kind of think of new ways to to reconfigure lyrics. So yeah. Have you have you ever heard of a like they have a a dictionary of idioms that you can get? No, I haven't. That's I pretty um, cool. Yeah, I don't know. Like one of my one of my. Uh, one predicament that I find myself in is coming up with a really a, a melody that I'm really satisfied with and trying to make the words fit that. And so I've often thought, like, if there was an AI that could interpret what I'm saying, that'd be brilliant. Like, yeah. it's just nonsense. And then you could just have them have them translate this nonsense and be like, well, that's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd be totally into using AI as much as possible for that kind of thing. For yeah. Sure. Well, you got your next app project right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so, like, you know. Well, um, let me ask you something. What What did yeah. your friends say about it? Was there what What did What did they come up with in, as far as the meaning? Oh of, my of goodness! That, that so, um, I don't. You, you know, like, I don't think I can look at the messages or whatever that, um, <laughs> like, while we're doing this call, but but yeah. there's a friend, there's a, uh, my friend and a friend of his that were, like, so di deep trying to dig into this mystery that there is, like, I mean, they almost got, like, not in a bad way, but, like, conspiracy theory like type stuff going on for like <laughs> where this came from and you know really yeah. trying to figure this out and uh so yeah. yeah that was a this is a that was a really fun tangent to go on and just be like look you know whatever it means to you that's what it means in a way you know sure yeah, yeah. i mean well that's yeah that's like i guess everything that's but, the end um, goal right yeah, yeah. <laughs> from the red scare like um was was panthers the next thing that you got involved in yeah pretty much um and how did that was yeah. that just all just like these are all my pals like our bands played together all the time let's let's do yeah. a band uh yeah pretty much i mean i think so they were jay and jeff from orchid um were i think pretty much living in new york at that time and Jeff, our drummer, was moving there. Um, and I think prior to the last tour, that uh, the last Red Scare tour we did with Orchid, like um, and a bunch of other bands. Um, and I, well, I mean, I should probably tell you about that. Um, we the last the last Red Scare tour was with Orchid, the whole like probably thirty five shows. 
or ish and um we took like we in in separate like legs of the tour like one leg of the tour we took true north and lightning bolt and then for like a good chunk of it we took song of zarathustra and blood brothers um so i and anyway so that was awesome but uh i guess prior to that tour my girlfriend at the time wanted to move to New York. And I mean, I knew that I would probably move to either New York or California. So I think I decided prior to the tour that that's what I was doing. And then I think while we were on tour, we just all decided to live together. So we just either after, probably like after we got back from the tour, we found a place. Like Jay and Jeff found a place in Williamsburg, and um, yeah, I think I moved up there in like September of 2000. Um, I think Orc, or sorry, I think Panthers probably started playing. You know, like a couple months after we were up there. I think we, ba- I think that we, um, I think Jay really wanted to start another band, and um, so I think that we kind of knew that we were going to do that. Um, and then, but yeah, we didn't, we never really talked about like what it was going to be or anything like that. And then just kind of, I think probably started Panthers like late 2000, like probably winter time, 2000 or something like that. And when you so. started like putting songs together, was it just like, <clears throat> you said you didn't really talk about what it was going to be like. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was it just like, hey, this is the stuff that's coming out now. Like, how are we going to approach this? Like, because, um, you know, anybody who's not familiar, like, it's quite different uh, than yeah, the previous yeah. bands. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that that was, that was probably part of the intention was to do something completely different. For sure. Um, like, I don't think that most of us were... I don't know. I mean, I guess by that point, I I mean, I wasn't listening to a lot of hardcore, probably start, like, probably, like, most, I think even, like, with the Red Scare, like, I don't think we were, like, listening to, like, a ton of hardcore at that point. So, probably, like, a little tired of that. Um, yeah. I, and I'm trying to think, like, what, what we thought it was going to sound like. Um, I think, like, we just wanted to do something like still that was like heavy, but maybe like, um, I don't know. I, I was really into like MC five and the studios and black Sabbath. Um, but also like space years dot like pink Floyd. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that that was really the time where I, I personally, like I was into so many things that it was like hard to kind of land on exactly what I wanted to do. Like, I just, I feel like I had just gone through a period where my eyes have really been open to, like, a lot of new stuff, like Can or, like, Krautrock, just so, and I think that, like, a lot of us were kind of going through, like, a transitional period with that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like, in a way, you can kind of tell that when you hear the first Panthers record. Like, I feel like we really, I, it's funny, like, that, that record just, like, went on Spotify, um, not very long ago, like probably a month or two ago. And that was like the first time I'd listened to it in like 15 years or so. Oh, and wow. I, I, I actually, I mean, now it sounds great. And it's really, it's interesting, like, because it, it, it felt like people really hated it at the time in a way. I was like, going to ask least, how you felt like yeah. it was received, yeah. <laughs> to people that didn't know us from like our other bands, like really well. But people that wanted it to be like Orchid or the Red Scale, like, I mean, there there were like a lot of people, I guess, that liked it. Um, it's funny that now people seem to love it, um, which, yeah, at the time I was, I don't know, I think at the time I wasn't super happy with how it came out, or maybe I just, I think I just felt like we were still trying to figure it out. Yeah. But, um, the second, like, we did this EP for Stevie Oki's label, Denmark, was the second thing we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I was, I, I still, like, I feel like that's, like, the best, like, the best thing we ever did. Um, 
that I felt that was kind of, I felt like when we hit our stride. Yeah. Um, it was called Let's Get Serious. Yeah. I, I mean, I think yeah. the thing that's, the thing that people don't like when we're talking about something that came out in 2000, um, in like just the, the, the sort of like early years of what we understand now as, you know, the internet or whatever, like, like it's, there wasn't like, it wasn't like Bandcamp, you know, or whatever. And it wasn't like all this social media where, um, I mean, there were burge there were like burgeoning like social media sites or whatever, but like the first time that I heard Panthers is somebody like, this is the new band from people from Orchid and the Red Scare. And so you hear it and you're like, that doesn't sound like that. Now, yeah. now you have a situation where there's social media and someone sharing this album and they can have mm -hmm. this precursor that like this is people from those bands and it doesn't sound like that and so you have this like okay i'm prepared for it to not sound like that but like yeah back yeah. then it was just like you it was like you you <laughs> you were expecting orange juice and it was apple juice you know and right 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 so yeah. a lot of people don't understand like when when you're telling people that people who heard Tristeza the first time hated it because it wasn't the locust. <laughs> like they're like, yeah. how did they not yeah. know? You know, but it's like, yeah, that's, that's right. just how it was then, you know? Um, you yeah. Well, I mean, and it's also, it's nice now that like, um, you know, like, uh, history kind of like erases some context for stuff like that. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's nice that like historically it seems like people are, more psyched about it now than they've ever been so i mean and, and honestly like it's way easier for me to listen to now for sure so that's but awesome. um but yeah i mean after the first record i felt like i feel like um you know it was funny like the first record jay always likes to joke about like the fact that like it was like the lowest rating of any review that pitchfork has ever given at that time <laughs> um, oh my goodness and then the second record got best new music so right. um yeah i mean i i think we just it just kind of took us a second to figure out what we were gonna do but uh you know i still really like that first record a lot that's awesome so yeah um from there you uh went on to do a lot of like much more like experimental and and like almost getting into like ambient territory with your projects yeah. like Cloudland Canyon and Eden Express. Um, yeah. Were you like taking cues from stuff like Album Leaf and, you know, um, Tristeza, like I mentioned before and stuff like that? Or, I mean, it's, you have said a couple times that you're really influenced by like psychedelic stuff and I yeah. definitely hear those influences. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, was it like, were you feeling like, okay, I'm going to take a step back from like band focused things and just see what kind of stuff I can create? Or was it like, were there different circumstances that led to like your desires to do these different, very different things? Um, yeah, I mean, really like, I think everything I've done has just been like what, whatever music uh i'm into at the time like if i feel like um it's kind of hard for me to stay in one place like i'm always kind of like moving forward i guess but um i mean less influenced by maybe like the album leaf and stuff like although you know i do like that stuff but um let's see pro probably at the time like a ton of stuff like like i said i that clown and canyon initially was like me and that guy simon that um, actually now he's in that band King Kong and the Shrine. Okay. Um, well, I mean, he has been since like 2000. But um, uh, so it really was just like, he's like one of my best friends ever. And it really was just like everything. Like when we met, we just realized we had so much in common and um, just developed a really deep friendship really fast. So it was really kind of like me turning him on to like a lot of um, like German psychedelic music, like Krautrock, 
stuff that like even though he grew up in Germany like they kind of at the time sort of thought of as like a joke kind of um, to some degree um, so me like actually like me kind of turning him onto that and then I think he really got me into electronic music um, and I, I mean stuff like um trying to think like stuff that he like like he would send me like these cd uh like burn cdrs of stuff that was they were always really awesome like um I'm just gonna give you examples like like christian finesse um or you know stuff that was like on that label compact from germany okay um so like more like psychedelic or abstract kind of electronic music mm-hmm. um so and both of us were into like stuff like brining now and like the usual suspects as far as like that kind of music goes yeah um but yeah he and i had like honestly just like the cloud and canyon thing i think we were trying to make a record like it was just stuff the first one that like we kind of passed back and forth for like a few years and then he would come over for like a couple of weeks every once in a while to like New York and um, we would make stuff. And then like by the time it was like maybe 2005 or six, um, like we had an album, but like at that point in time, it was diff- like more difficult to find someone that would, cause I mean, it was pretty abstract, I guess. Um, and then this guy that we knew that ran this label TP offered to put it out. Um, like I just happened to get, it's just a friend of mine that I happened to give it to. And, um, he, um, like loved it, just offered to put it out and, um, we toured on that. And then literally like probably like the following year, like 2007, we, uh, were contacted by that label cranky. Do you know, do you know them? No. So cranky is like, um, I mean like probably a bunch of stuff, you know, but like probably the most popular thing would be. Godspeed you, Black Emperor. Oh, of course. Um, so, and like, a, I don't like a, a ton of stuff that I'm sure you either know of or, or like or whatever. But, yeah. um, so that was like, like if he and I could have, like in 2002, like sat down and like picked out a label that we would want to be on, like that would have been like the end goal forever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah, I mean, at that point, it was kind of went from being something that we were just kind of doing casually to being like, you know, like full blown band kind of thing. Like we went on tour for our cranky record, like Lion Light uh, in 2008 and like had to put together like a full band to do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And honestly, like everything else that's happened has all just been like, we just keep having these like, really amazing opportunities to see i was gonna yeah i was gonna ask like you know i thought this would be a whole series of like conversations about like building new support systems for like your different Mm -hmm. like modes of expression but it sounds like you're just kind of in a in a way i mean there's obviously work involved but like lucked into them uh, in a, in a <laughs> kind of like yeah kind of <clears throat> yeah kinda, like in a, in a way like even though it like feels really dis- disjointed or whatever in terms of like i think it, it it i think it's been you know like in my mind it's pretty fluid just because it really has been like me just trying to do stuff that i like and then just kind of like um I don't know, somehow being like, hopefully taking the right path and like, um, not like, I don't want to say like falling into stuff, but I mean, you know, um, just kind of like trying to take the, the opportunities that came up. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I, it's funny cause like, I think in a way, like if the, I, I sort of felt really burned out after Panthers. And that was like the time in my life where I probably most felt like, yeah, I remember feeling like, you know, nobody is nobody that knows about my background in Panthers is going to take what Simon and I are doing seriously, just because, you know, Panthers ended up like signing to a major label. Um, 
but like somehow that never came into play like people it really like even though i had done this thing that was like completely different um right before cloudland canyon like it just i don't know somehow it like worked out like the reviews of the first record were like amazing like it's always just like gotten not, nothing but like praise so um yeah i mean to be honest with you that was like the i felt like surprise, I, uh, just that yeah that never yeah. came up kind of thing yeah so, for yeah. sure yeah that's yeah. awesome though um now um uh, i wanted to ask you know because sometimes uh sometimes people just do these things just you yeah. know because but um i wanted to ask like is there something happening like with the red scare like with your backlog of material maybe or like um that made it to where you like want to like uh have a social media presence and (laughs) sort of like is there is there some news on the front that you know (laughs) um may i mean maybe like occasionally like we you know and orchid and panthers will have like different offers to do things and you know it's hard to know like what the right move is to make i guess we'll kind of know what the right move is when it presents itself but um as far as like social media is concerned um i like i have a friend slash like manager guy that kind of will sometimes push me into doing things Mm -hmm. um and i think he he and i both kind of realized that there was like a lot of um a lot of stuff out there that could be archived or needed to be um and i'm trying to (laughs) i'm trying to think how to how to put this um we kind of just wanted to have like um like facebook kind of sucks yeah um i mean it all kind of sucks right i mean like social media i mean i i honestly like when myspace was around i didn't mind that as much just because it was so simple Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean it's nice to just kind of have like um an archive for everything that happened or will happen or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, I mean, the motivation was just to kind of like, um, yeah, just to kind of have a place to like store that kind of thing. Yeah. Make um, a home base in a way. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's kind of, I mean, really it's funny cause like in a way that's, it's kind of like the end of the internet or hopefully, and I, I don't mean like the end of it, like the death of it. I just mean like, the internet has been like condensed down to like one, one location in a way. Yeah. So like what, like being you know, not as many people have like websites, like, um, you know, yeah, yeah, for sure. Everything. It's like a, it's like a simplification of everything, I guess. So, yeah, it's not that, yeah. it, it's not that it made them obsolete. It's just like, why would you, spend all this time and energy to develop your own thing to interact with 50 people or whatever, yeah. you know, like when you could yeah. just like say, Hey, I'll throw this here and um, yeah. it's accessible exactly. and, and, and everything like that. Yeah. 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 It really is just like a simplification of everything. Yeah. yeah. That's right. For sure. Yeah. Um, so, but I, I don't, I don't have specific news to report. Yeah. Well, how about that? <laughs> well, maybe we can stir something up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, is there anything else that you wanted to chat about before we go? Is there anything you've been like working on that you wanted to put out there? Uh, not. I mean, not not a ton. I'm a, I'm like finally finishing. Like things have slowed down a lot just because I have my son um, in 2011. Um, so I mean, I I kind of like took some time off to kind of deal with that for sure um just spend the most time with him possible but i have a new cloudland canyon record coming out at some point i'm, I'm i keep saying that I'm, i've been telling them for like a couple of years that i'm almost done but um probably be out on light in the attic um fairly soon awesome i feel like i have another i'm gonna say i have another month of working on it um we'll probably like try to um 
like the label that put out the vinyl, the or sorry, just put out the Red Scare records in general. Trouble Man Unlimited is uh, you know went out of business a few years ago, so we will probably like we finally kind of got our stuff back from him, um, or kind of figured out like the fact that we like I guess got the rights back to it in a sense, right. um, probably like two years ago, and finally kind of put it up on um, you know streaming platforms. So probably at some point uh, we'll reissue all that stuff um, on vinyl. And that was my conversation with Kip Yolhorn. Thank you so much, Kip, for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks also to everyone listening, wherever you are. Until next time, take care and do good things.